Friends, there's a lot to report on what's happening at the front lines of faith. Having just returned from Romania, Moldova, and Ukraine, we've seen firsthand how the Church is stepping up in amazing ways to serve and save those being driven out of Ukraine by Putin's war. These pastors, congregations, and volunteers have put themselves on the line for the gospel and for their fellow man. We need to support them. The interview you'll hear today is one of those amazing servants. Since the Iron Curtain fell in 1989, this gentleman has been actively supporting and encouraging the kingdom in Ukraine and all the other Eastern European nations through an ambitious network of creative thinkers, artists, and worship leaders. His arts festival held in numerous countries for almost 20 years drew tens of thousands from dozens of nationalities and languages. The work continues to have a lasting impact on how the gospel is transforming that part of the world. And it's one of the amazing untold stories behind how Ukraine came to be the democratic nation that it is today. It's painful to visit how much suffering has befallen so many friends and ministry partners, but it's essential. And it will give you important insight into the large-scale spiritual war being fought over the same territories that Empire is contesting now. And again, please support the work of the Church in Ukraine through our Serve Ukraine project. I'll tell you how later in the program. Today on Compassion Radio. While I was in Nigeria, the Berlin Wall came down. And I had been in Berlin before and crossed through Checkpoint Charlie. I moved from Nigeria to Amsterdam and then went through a training process there with Youth with Commission. Mm-hmm. And then we went in to Hungary and Romania, Bulgaria, and at that time Yugoslavia for a season. And the Sozo Festival mm-hmm. had a huge yes. reconciliation aspect to it. So got to know a lot of people from Russia to Turkey, you know, everything in between. Sometimes your life just seems destined to go someplace. Other times it seems like we're swallowed up in the tyranny of world events. What are those at the same thing? Well, God knows the who's, what's, when's, how's, and why's of it all. And we're best to let Him reveal it as He sees fit. Hi, Bram Floria here with Compassion Radio. In any other year, today's program would have been simply a pleasant retrospective on some amazing life experiences and how God did amazing work in the world. But this is not just any other year. The stories you'll hear from today's guest are playing a fresh role in the story we're all hearing about. The incomprehensible destruction, the fight for the soul of Ukraine, and the worldwide spiritual battle that it is all exposing. How does a mission trip to Nigeria in 1988 tie into current world events? Well, keep listening and you'll find out. And thanks for tuning our way today. On Compassion Radio today, we want to jump to the front lines of faith again, and we get that through the eyes and the ears and the memories and the mission of so many incredibly creative people. And I'm bringing back to the program today some we've interviewed a number of times over the past maybe five or ten years. Randall Morgan from the Nashville, Tennessee area. Welcome back to Compassion Radio. Thank you. It's good to see you. It's been a while. Yes, it has. Now, our roads keep converging. Every time I take off overseas, I run into somebody who knows you and is involved with the ongoing ministries, all the seeds you planted for so many years, including the Sozo Festival in Hungary, where there's the first contemporary Christian music arts conglomeration. Eastern Europe was happening because of your work. And you were based in England for quite a while at a church in Rugby, England, and you were doing a lot of ministry cross-culturally, missionally, 
you're back in Tennessee now, and you're working hard on a book that's been a long time in the making. So today I'm going to call you author, but you can also define yourself as we discuss things today, however you want, Randall. But thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Rob. We started our missions. You were probably in missions before I, but we went on that mission trip to Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And that was my first mission trip as a new believer in my mid-30s and changed my life. And then, as you know, less than a year later, I moved to Nigeria and lived there for the best part of a year. was involved there and still love Nigerians wherever I go. But I always Mm -hmm. think of you when I think of Nigerians. So we had a good time there (laughs) at the ranch, whatever, where we were staying. Keeping each other from drowning in big pools and wanting to throw crocodiles (laughs) down below. Um, That's right. It was a newbie experience for me in that part of Africa. We were both thrilled to step on new soil, but it didn't stop there, as you mentioned. It's grown. And in fact, it's growing again for you. First of all, tell me, what is your contact or your commitment to the folks in Ukraine right now and how they're ministering to all of the refugees that are flooding the world right now? Just a slight background, which you know, but for listeners, uh, while I was in Nigeria, the Berlin Wall came down. And I had been in Berlin before and crossed to Checkpoint Charlie, which is also in my book that I'm about to release. And so I moved from Nigeria to Amsterdam and then went through a training process there with Youth with Commission. Mm-hmm. And then we went in to Hungary and Romania Bulgaria, and at that time, Yugoslavia for a season of that summer. And then and then not long after, I moved to Budapest. So living in Budapest, of course, you're very close. And the festival had a huge reconciliation, the Sozo Festival, mm, and a huge yes. reconciliation aspect to it. So got to know a lot of people from Russia to Turkey, you know, everything in between. Right. So um, I've been in and out of Ukraine many, many times from you know, Odessa, Kiev, uh, to Lviv and Munkachevo, all those and a lot of villages in between. And you and I have mutual friends over there as well who do a lot of work. So it's been a great learning process for me as well. When you were going into Ukraine the first time setting up this festival called Sozo, who were you after? Who are you trying to find to network with at that time? We started the festival in Hungary. It was never actually in Ukraine, but we recruited from Ukrainians wanting to be part of something bigger than their little church kind of a thing because of it growing and being on you know different platforms here and there as social media began to grow. We had Russians come. In fact, in our last one there in 2015 in Baja, Hungary, in the southern part, we had a Russian family come. And because of the conflict with Crimea at that time, they had to actually come by land, mm. driving all the way around Ukraine. Right. And when they arrived in Baja, they got out of the car. And the first thing that they saw is one of their friends from Ukraine. And it was just a beautiful homecoming as they ran across the field to hug each other. Man, I'm praying for so many more of those in the future. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine for a generation or more to come how there could be reconciliation and love between families that are at war with each other right now. But I know God can do some miraculous things and you've seen it. Absolutely. He did the same thing with the former Yugoslavia and the horrible war and then the NATO bombings. And we had the festival there just about 40 minutes from the border of Croatia and Serbia. And one night, a, a gentleman came late in the night by backpack from Croatia. He didn't even have a sleeping room with him. And it was the part of the camp from Serbia and Bosnia who took him in. And uh, we were amazed when they were worshiping together in Serbo-Croat language, which was by that time an outlawed language. So yeah, reconciliation. We don't fight. Our governments fight. People want to love. And I think there will be reconciliation. It's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard. So many people are traumatized. And we have to trust that the Lord will bring healing in their lives as he has in other ones. Okay. So the roots of your ministry and your friendships, your deep abiding friendships, that exist all across Eastern Europe began right after the wall came down through the middle of Europe. So the Iron Curtain has dissolved. There are new opportunities and all kinds of hopefulness and an uprising of joy 
in the Eastern Bloc. There's going to be freedom now. So you capitalize on that energy and help bring that into the church and bring the church out of its hiding position, its underground attitude, and brought it into the open and said, let's flourish. Let's grow. Let's train each other how to do the best we can in the worship arts. Let's trade information and worship together and build this kingdom. So it's a kingdom ethic for me that always resonated about your story. And then it settles into kind of a, a teenage years where people are now figuring out who are we different from each other? What's the distinctiveness of my culture and someone else's culture? And then it seems like 2005 around there, things just start dissolving. All kinds of antipathy was rising in the East and there's new animosities and there were scares and rumors of wars. All kinds of things were happening during those years. So what did you do to respond to that? During the Sozo Festival years, we were passionate about celebrating how these nations were the same and, and how they were different. And I think being raised in Nashville, being raised in a church, in a denomination that believed that we had the only way, it never made sense to me. So even growing up, I was in conflict. And then I walked away from the Lord for most of my music business years. And coming back to the Lord, I was passionate about bringing people together, not separating people. So the festival was all about bringing the nations together to worship together in many different aspects of their denomination, backgrounds and everything. And it just worked for us. We were very blessed in those, what, 18 years that we did festivals, even the few that we did in England hope that they would be bigger than they were, meaning with a larger outreach. Some nations are harder to work with than others in that respect. But we did a few conferences in Romania and in Serbia through the years. But, you know, people want to come together. They really want to. Once we start singing a worship song and you change the language to Romanian, then you're singing a chorus in Serbian, then you're singing a chorus in German or Dutch. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, recently we had a prayer thing here in Nashville, downtown on the legislative plaza for Ukraine. And we were singing in English, worshiping in English there. And I went up to the worship leader in a break and I said, could you please sing and pray in Ukrainian? We need to hear that so that the, the nations will be represented here in a major way. And when they did, something broke in that meeting. It was mm. truly, there was emotion for the first time I saw. And people, they were really grafted into that family piece of the nations coming together. And I think we need more of that. We need more coming together in less separation because we're going to all be together one day before the throne of God and we're going to be worshiping in different languages and we're going to be multicolored. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah, not just the colors, the color of everything, the color of our sound, the color of our food, the color of our lives. Color is something that is a gift to us because we paint in colors and most people that have Absolutely. have a knack for art find a root color. I was just thinking about Van Gogh and the traveling exhibits that are going around the world right now, sure. how it's taking the world by storm. There's yeah. something again about the color language he used that is resonating 120 years later. There's there's something about that artist and his his connection with the power, the emotion of color that was so evident in this canvases that the world really, really is owning right now. Kind of like 100 years ago, the world owning the Ninth Symphony of Beethoven, that the whole yeah. Ode to Joy thing became the anthem of the world. Some things just resonate at certain times. So give me a big picture statement here on what you think is resonating in the kingdom of God right now in this generation that we need to pay attention to, because it's going to have a lot of influence on how we choose to interact with each other and how we choose to worship in the future. What's the big picture you're seeing? Well, first I want to say it's been because of the festival and my love for the nations 
and traveling as much as I have and being in 50 countries, which is not near as many as some people have, but it's been a major blessing in my life. People have said to me or introduced me somewhere to speak and they would say, and we're so thankful that you're colorblind. And I'm going, I'm not colorblind. In (laughs) fact, I love color because God loves color. If God didn't love color, we would all be exactly the same. You know, we would look like little robots. So I believe that God loves color. Therefore, color of the world, the color of the people's They're just beautiful if we look for it. Randall, that right there is a perfectly suited example of the perfectly agreeable disagreement. (laughs) The way we look at it is first, we converge on a new idea, something even bigger than the sum of the parts. Yes, color is wonderful. And the notion of being colorblind, as in not crediting one color as being better than the other. We understand the underlying concepts, but the fusion of that saying, let's celebrate everything. I really celebrate, not just say we're going to, but inhabit each other's worship and praise, especially within the kingdom, being there, spending the time and letting God soften our heart till it finally opens up. As you said, with that event there in the center of Tennessee, something finally unlocks and unleashes an emotion and a connection that it would not have happened had you not been together and had you not spent the time together to find out what God had for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the reality, what do I see for the future? You hear so many things. It's easy to find negative things about the generations that follow you. Mm -hmm. You know, the millennials, they're a different breed from the way I was raised in some ways. And yet I have hope. I have hope about this generation of young people, especially in those areas of justice and the areas of coming together and worshiping God together, because the church has been divided so long. I've often think we don't reflect good news. In fact, our faces, we look like we have bad news, you know, but we have good news. And when we share good news and we share love and we meet people, whether it's in the Kroger store or wherever you are, if you take a chance to meet someone, it's amazing what you can do, what you can meet, and then how that encourages each other, encourages me when I meet other people from other nations. But I think that our next next generation, I think that they're going to get this better than we did. Oh, man, I hope so. I think they're going to spend less time worrying about the color of their carpet in their churches and more time about putting carpet in homes that need it. Mm. For 78 years now, we've depended on the faithful encouragement of friends just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. As I mentioned at the top of the program, we have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine, and we need to stand with them. Our toll-free order line is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. If you need to call early or late, that's okay. Just make sure to leave your name and phone number, and we'll get back to you immediately when the doors open each business day. You can also give anytime online at CompassionRadio.com. And if you prefer to put a stamp on it, you can always find us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Another really simple and effective way to give to the needs in Ukraine is through our text-to-give option. Just text Serve Ukraine, that's one word, to 53445 and give right through your phone. And let others know they can give right to real needs of kingdom brothers and sisters as they care for refugees pouring into all the other East Bloc countries. They know what they're doing, and they're doing it all in the name of Jesus. So please, give generously through our Serve Ukraine project. Again, just type Serve Ukraine, one word, to 53445. And please give what you can today. And now, back to the interview. 
But I think our next generation, they're going to get this better than we did. Oh, man, I hope so. I think they're going to spend less time worrying about the color of their carpet in their churches and more time about putting carpet in homes that need it. Mm. <laughs> That's my hope. That's a good word picture right there. Okay, we've done um, a big 30,000-foot overview of worship and kingdom life. I wanted you to take me on a geographical tour of Ukraine based on your relationships and what you're hearing from the people out there. I want to know what they're saying about what's going on right now on the ground and what they're telling you to pray for, because we need to have our kingdom warriors back here in the West praying for the things that God has already laid on the hearts of those who are going through it. Because I, I believe if we get on the same wavelength and pray the same way, that God will resonate with that too, because he put it in their hearts to ask for instead of just praying blindly or irrelevantly. So tell me what you're hearing and take me across the country for people you know. Well, and as you know, just as we were setting up, I received a bunch of signals on my phone that, and that was from Odessa. Mm. So Odessa is the farthest point east that I have been. It's the top of the Black Sea. It's some major harbor, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful area. I have a number of friends there because we spent quite a bit of time there setting up a ministry called Journey to Freedom. I'll just use Sasha because I have a number of Sasha friends. It's <laughs> a very you. common name there. But Sasha texted me this morning to say that things are still relatively quiet in Odessa. They're getting aid in from Romania. They're distributing aid. They have a church there called Trinity Church. Sadly, the pastor, Sergei Burmas, has been ill with cancer over the past year, and he had to leave because there was no chemo in Odessa. So they got yeah. him to Lviv, which is a long train trip if you've ever done it. It's a very long train trip. Gets him to Lviv, and then thankfully, they let him through the border. So now he's in Germany, and his daughters have joined him. Of course, the sons are still in, in Odessa and right. Kiev. You know, I think the hard thing, Brahman, and you know this as a father, to think about walking your wife and your baby or your little boy in Sasha's situation, or another Sasha friend, Sasha Moshenko, walked his wife and little baby to the border, go to the Moldovan border, and they kiss them goodbye yeah. and watch them walk across a border, not knowing if they'll ever meet again. You know, there's no guarantees. And now they have managed to get into Germany. So there's a, a social system there to provide for them and friends that have taken them in. So people have very big hearts in Europe. And I'm so thankful that the communities have opened their hearts. And yet at some point, what's going to happen when a country has taken as many as it can take? Because right. these are not strong economies. You know, they're yeah. part of the EU. But as you know, most of them have not, maybe all of them have not even been able to take on the euro because of the expense of changing their currency out. So these are not strong economies, even though they're part of the EU. So Sasha, my friends there in, in what they're doing, and they're still every day, they take aid to the villages around them, pack cars to get that up to the Kiev area where so many bombing and stuff has taken place and so many homes are lost. So that's probably that area. The, most of my friends in Kiev have now moved out of necessity. They've gone, uh, not all of them. Some of them are still there in the soup kitchens trying to provide. Uh, some of them have gone to Ternopil, which is farther west in the YWAM base there. My friend Steve Johnson from YWAM Budapest just recently took a 24-hour trip to take a big van load of food to Ternopil so they can help there. A lot of people are all the way over into Lviv or who have crossed into Poland. I mean, one of my heart areas for Ukraine is Mukachevo because Mukachevo was a long time ago under the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of Ukrainians there, but there are a lot of Hungarians there, and there are yeah. a lot of gypsies there or Romani, the Roma people. And my dear friends, calling my spiritual son, Carlos, and Ruslan and TV, and those guys have a church there. It's in the Gypsy Village, which is kind of a suburb of Mukachevo. But sadly, the people, 
still are very prejudiced against Roma people. They say, oh, they steal and they blah, blah, blah. Well, some of them do. Um, but, and yet some of them work hard for what work they can get. You know, I remember living in Hungary and saying, would you hire someone? You know, gypsies don't want to work. I'm going, will you hire them? Well, no, we wouldn't hire them. So, okay, well, then how are they going to work? <laughs> right? But they have a church called Church of the Living God in Mukachevo, which is in the, just think shantytown. You know, mm-hmm. remember America shantytowns. Sadly, we probably still have a few, but uh, hopefully not as many. But just poor, you know, and amazing people, amazing people. So that's another area that is in high need right now. Okay, I would say we need to unpack that one a bit because the issue of Roma and what it means to be put into ghettos and township mentalities and generations of poverty, those kind of things are things I want to look at. And I also want to look at what's happening when they face persecution coming across their lands, Russians and other people that would be stomping through them. It's not the first time it's ever happened for them. But I do want to explore what you've been experiencing with them as they've been sharing it with you. First of all, though, I want to finish with our tour geographically what you know of the country. I've had that personal experience of the issue coming out of Odessa. In fact, you were talking about being at the border and kissing your kids goodbye. Just a week ago, I'm at the border there welcoming across a young lady and her nephew who has just stepped off the ferry, and it's been like blizzards blowing. And I asked a little bit of their story before we even got in the car to bring them to a shelter in Galatz, which is the southern port city of Romania. I said, who is the father? And she pulled out a piece of paper, and, and you'd see his signature there, release for his son. And I said, when's the last time that he saw his son? And she just looked back over her shoulder and pointed across the river and knows he's still standing there watching them leave. Wow. And the kid's nine years old. It's the first time they've ever been apart. And now the aunt is taking him across Romania and taking a train journey all the way to Bologna, Italy, to reunite this child with his mother, who he has not seen in four years. Wow. That's the epic journey they're taking. And that's just one of a million. Oh, one of a million. Yeah. So help me out here with the rest of the things you're hearing from the Western part of Ukraine that you're most familiar with. Well, let me just say this because I just got another message from Sasha in Odessa. And he said, we have another air raid going off right now. So please pray. So I think it's just constant for them. You know, and Odessa, I hope maybe has been saved to some degree because it's such a pearl. It's called the Pearl of the Black Sea. And maybe Putin doesn't want it destroyed. But you know how that goes. Mikhailov is just upstream. They're being destroyed. So, yes. Of course. Of course. Okay. Are there any other particular places that may not make the uh, the news because they're not one of the bigger cities, but have a real dear place in your heart because the ministry that God had you do there or people that you met, which have become lifelong friends? I mean, honestly, I couldn't even tell you where all of them are. But yes, the many years we traveled in different aspects from east to west um, Ukraine, the number of people, the faces that run through my mind, the places that I can't even remember which village it was in. But uh, yes, there are so many people and so many stories, like you were just saying, you know, my friend Katya, who when she crossed the border with Timothy, and he's he's also about eight to 10. And now, um, you know, he cries for his dad. He, yeah. he wants his dad and he's afraid for his dad, you know, and my other friend, Sasha, who took his wife, Sveta, and they're four-month-old baby. It was just Christmas that they were celebrating their first Christmas together as a young family, sending pictures and smiling and just so blessed. And now they're separated. And he's in the park now where they're air raid and they're trying to get their church people underground to be protected. So as I look geographically across that nation, I I just see a flood of faces. And, And as you just pointed out, there are millions more. I don't know. You don't know. There's just, the stories are endless. And the pain is endless. I saw on a news thing about a little boy who crossed by himself because his parents had to send him out. And I just wanted to go hug that kid. You know, I think, gosh, how scary is that at 10, 12 years old to leave your country 
and go into another country alone. And take a trip for him, even just a number of miles, which would be as far as going from New York to past Washington, D.C. He went that far on his own. Yes. Yeah, those stories yeah. are going to be pouring out more and more over the months to come. I think what scares me the most right now is that the news we're not getting from certain cities means that they are so hammered with the onslaught of the bombings that they can't even get the word out. There's like maybe one or two reporters even left in Mariupol, and there's still hundreds of thousands of people hunkered down that can't leave. Of course. And of we, course. Have, we have a story of mankind moving, of this great shift in migration out of the country of 4 million people already. It's a country of 40 million. It's as big as California in a population. But that also means that it's not just a pile of men waiting for a fight left in Ukraine right now. It's still full of tens of millions of vulnerable, non-fighting people, women, children, that are still there trying to find a way out of the increasingly narrow pipelines that are available to them. And, of course, we need to be praying for that. So give me a tour of the prayers. What are they telling you? Please pray for this. I just say the most thing I hear is pray for peace, pray for safety, pray for, pray that we will see our families again. Mm. You know, I got a message from one of them saying, would you promise me, please, that you'll make sure my wife and child have a future, Mm. found a new place to live in a new country. And that's the thing, kind of almost a resignation to I'm not going to come out of this. Mm. Another friend who texts me every morning and says, I'm alive. That's his first, he he calls me dad, dad, I'm alive. And I know that because that weighs heavy on him. Of course, every day you you go to sleep tonight, will you wake up tomorrow? Proof of life really means something at a time like this. Absolutely. You know, here in Nashville, we have what, 300, 400 Afghan refugees at the moment. Mm -hmm. So we've been providing food for them. Well, let's give me a new appreciation for what they must feel. I've always understood to some degree because I've lived internationally. But the reality is when I go see them, we go take food baskets and stuff to them. They've left everything. Sometimes in America, we mean well, but we think everyone wants to be American. I saw that also in England. Everyone wants to be (laughs) British. You know what? They don't. They don't. They want to be in their country. Randall Morgan will be back tomorrow with a very personal and important story about what's going on in the lives and faith of those in Ukraine. I hope you'll tune in then. Thanks for joining us today. Send your special gift for the church in Ukraine today. Call 1-800-868-2478 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. You can also give to our Serve Ukraine project right through your phone by texting Serve Ukraine, that's one word, to 53445. And let your friends know about that opportunity as well. Again, just text Serve Ukraine, one word, to 53445. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.